Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Derek, branding is complex. It's a complex world. And it even gets more complex when you talk about adding sub-brands to that equation. But that's what we're talking about today. Layers and layers of brands and branding. We have a couple of clients actually recently started developing, needing to develop sub-brands. And that kind of got us talking about what do we need to know the difference between branding and sub-branding and how the nuances of when we get into the development process when we get into that process it's not starting from scratch because we're starting from something but it's not the same as just being able to take that first brand and go okay now it's just this and it's a smaller version of that a lot of times the original brand isn't necessarily created with that type of expansion in mind because when the business starts or when that product is launched we don't necessarily have already flushed out what the next product looks like or the next component of our business or brand looks like. And so it's coming in for us more often than not. It's even though we're thinking about like with one of the projects that I'm sure we'll probably talk about a little bit today, where we were thinking about how that brand could have an extension from, we were thinking about that at the beginning. It's not until it actually becomes time for that to happen or Time goes by, you're working in your business, you're launching, you're growing, and you're just doing things. And then you pause, look back and say, now I've got all these brands and product brands and sub brands. And now what do, how do I clean this yeah, up? Your architecture is everywhere. Yeah. So when, what most companies get into is they are they have a master brand and that brand has been successful and great, but then when they keep going, it's like, wow, we could really talk to this one audience in a better way. That's where a sub brand comes in perfectly to say, we don't have that story. We don't have the right to win necessarily as a master brand, but we're almost there. We just need a nuanced approach to it. That's where a sub brand comes in. So today we're going to talk about the, we're, I just want to define sub brand. This is really an introduction to sub branding or just sub brands in general. So give you a definition give you an example in the real world and maybe not one of our clients but just something that most people would know and then get into what to watch out for when you're going through that the challenges that are there some things that people don't keep in mind and then we have some advice to say if you're moving down this path if you're going down the de- development route of a sub-brand where do you start where do you start moving forward and then how do you make sure that you're not making the errors that we've seen in the past that lead to fragmentation and all these other challenging complex words fragmentation so, confusion frustration yeah all of the above really fun stuff so subbrand defined and i want to get a little technical at the beginning here and then we'll wean off the technical speak but from a brand side a subbrand is a distinct identifiable entity created within that architecture of a master brand that sounds super exciting and fun i know but normally the brand has its own identity and that's how kind of how we're feeling about a sub brand normally can have its own identity it has its own messaging normally it has its own position that's all related stacked up and has a strong connection to that parent brand So that sub-brand is typically developed for a target audience. 
or a target experience that you're trying to create or maybe a specialized product kind of like what you were talking about before it's diet coke <laughs> sure that's what, one good example if, yeah if coke if coca-cola is the master brand and diet coke is a sub brand it's part of the brand but it's marketed differently it's branded differently yeah um, and like you said it has a different audience than the audience that prefers Coke. And the reason why a lot of these sub brands come to life is because it allows that parent brand to expand its brand presence, explore new opportunities within the market. It also helps deepen customer relationships with a specific target audience that you may feel like, wow, there's a lot. We could really win them over, but we just don't have the brand for it. That's where a sub brand would come in. Without diluting water or watering down the master brand exactly the parent brand. instead of the parent brand saying okay i i now have to be for everybody they can have the sub brand that can be for that specific somebody so an example that i think resonates with us in the sports world is jordan so the brand jordan uh it's a nike sub brand and it was really created for a lot of different things, if you've seen the movie Air, that's a great example of them starting that conversation. But it really helps create a distinct sub-brand for Nike within the basketball space. So it, it helps them speak on footwear and apparel and accessories specifically for that target. And that gives them the right to win in, in that scenario. But it's interesting because not only do they target basketball enthusiasts, you know, footwear collectors offering these high performance, but high fashion shoes and all these other things. They also are moving into other sports, which starts becoming like an interesting topic. Super interesting to see the Jordan Jumpman logo on football jerseys. Yeah, I was just going to get into that. So the Michigan Wolverines, uh, they went back. I didn't. I had to look up the state, but in 2016, they actually came out with that. And their Nike deal was a deal with Nike, but on the basis of them being a Jordan brand. So that's super interesting. You also see um, NFL players wearing football cleats that are Jordans that are now cleats. And then uh, you see in golf too all the time, people getting into that, um, whether it's taking Jordans and then making them into golf shoes or just golf shoes that are made to be like Jordans. My son has Jordan golf shoes. Yeah. Available in high top or low top. But if you think about Jordan, that that might feel to some people, they might look at it and say, well, that's a Nike brand. But all other things point to it being its own brand. It has its own style. It has its own messaging, the way it has marketing campaigns. I mean, it even has its own teams. Like we were talking about Michigan Wolverines. That's a Jordan branded team. It has its own players that are signed underneath that. The endorsements are different, yet it's all underneath the Nike umbrella. The nuance of that's a little bit different than the the Coke, Diet Coke example. Because yep. alongside Diet Coke, you might have Mellow Yellow and other Coca-Cola products, Dasani Water. Um, whereas, and there's that's more of a house of brands. We could talk house it's of like brands, hybrid, branded yeah. house, and a hybrid branding structure. But Jordan, in many ways, has come alongside Nike. It's a choice. Yeah, um, you're, you're either a Coke or Diet Coke, or maybe Cherry Coke, but... <laughs> Nike or Jordan, that's a that that could be for a similar 
when it comes to customer choosing, it's, that's a little bit of a different um, type of brand architecture. Yeah. So when, when we get into the architecture component, we're not going to get deep into that today because this is more of an introduction, but it's a messy conversation. It's a really interesting conversation to say, who are we speaking to and how does that differ? So the Nike brand itself doesn't want to water down its own messaging and doing all of its own brand marketing towards just this audience. So it's going to build out this sub brand that helps them do that in a really unique and nuanced way that also helps them do a couple of things. So they can leverage their, you know, the processes that they've put in, they can leverage their marketability and they can leverage all of those to get into the places they want. And then they're also leveraging that own, like, you know, Michael Jordan's legacy. They're leveraging his personality, his accomplishments and all those other things that helps them really get into this unique realm of they're a brand, but they help grow the Nike brand. So they're not only out there growing their own brand, but they're growing that Nike brand too. So that example, I think, helps us lead into the challenges. Like what are the things that people need to watch out for? If I was going to go out there and we had a master brand and I said, we're going to create a sub brand for a, a different audience with maybe our same offering. What, what are the things that we need to start looking at? The first one is one you just touched on. It's diluting or confusion, causing confusion within the, the core or the master primary brand. When the Jordan brand was when I first saw it and it was on a Michigan Wolverines football jersey, my immediate reaction is, what's going on? I don't, I don't understand. Why would I buy a basketball branded product for my football brand? I didn't understand until, you know, I changed. And that's a football fan coming in at it you know, from a, from a fresh perspective. Um, and I think that they've done a lot of great work in clarifying those questions, but right out of the gate, that was my first concern when I saw it as you're, you're stealing from the Nike brand and now selling this brand. That dilution of the core brand can be really tricky. There's a lot of this. If we go too far down this sub brand route and we, hurt the overall master brand that can really hurt our brand equity within spaces that they're already there really strong, but for others that can help you differentiate yourself. And so that there's a fine line between you're diluting the core brand or you're supporting it in a new way. My guess though is, and back to the Nike example for them to have been able to do this successfully the the foundation of the organization or the foundation of the the Nike North Star needs to be really strong and consistent or they risk chaos. Um, yeah. So there has to be alignment. You know, I think the perception of one brand versus the other can be different. The target audience and what each of those audiences want are different. The offering's different. But I think there's got to be a commonality in the the core values and that they stand for. And there, that commonality, that's where the Nike core brand has to be really strong, big, bold, ambitious, but not too specific. So these big brands, if they get really specific, it makes them hard in the future to have sub brands that make sense within that brand. So when we look into how do we strike that balance, you're really going to be talking about the individuality is really important, but it's always tying back to the core pieces of that master brand that keep you 
relevant that keep you in play for a lot of these brands. The second one is confusion and fragmentation. So you kind of touched on this at the very beginning of the conversation, but we have worked with brands that have lots of sub brands and it starts becoming confusing or what we'd call fragmented. So it's like, it feels like they're just everywhere. They're not made. It's not an ecosystem. It's more like they're, they're just their own thing. Yeah. I, l- I love the word ecosystem instead of, I like ecosystem better than architecture because ecosystem is a little bit more fluid and can adapt as needed, but to have clarity in what belongs where, what's different from which, what's supportive and what's competitive and to make sure that especially internally within the organization that's managing these brands that there's real clarity in understanding the the whole ecosystem and what goes where and why you don't want to steal customers from yourself right right that's where it gets into we want to have a sub brand but our sub brand has to be different enough where it's speaking to a new customer that we don't have access to right now And it can't be something that we're just interested in and it will take our current market share and actually divide it. We're talking, you know, football or or, uh, shoes or footwear, Converse and Chuck Taylor, the all-stars. Another, I think, pretty good example of somebody who's clarified the difference between anything that's branded Converse and something that's branded, you know, with the star on the side in the circle do a pretty good job. They do a pretty good job. And they're growing. That, I mean, that brand seems to be growing and doing things. It's gone a long way from the 19, I don't know, 60s, whenever that you yeah. know old canvas yeah. shoe whenever was. Whenever you were a kid whenever, or something like that. Whenever <laughs> Chuck Taylor himself was actually um, at the peak performance of his time. But um, it's th- that, just like Jordan, that thing has become its own brand, and it's now standing for its own thing. The third one that we see a lot of people slip up on is resource allocation. So building out a sub-brand takes time, it takes effort, it takes a lot of resources. And that might mean money and that might just mean people's focus. We've worked with companies before that this fragmentation really comes from the resource allocation. They just didn't give that sub-brand what it needed to grow because it takes a lot. I mean, think about developing a brand new brand in general. That takes a lot of effort in itself, but now you have more rules, more nuanced. You have to guide it so it's not eating out your market share and helping you grow it in a different way. So there's a lot that goes into it. And the people that don't have the resource allocation right can really fall victim to just wanting to be ambitious without a plan to follow that up. I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's kind of like having multiple children. Each of these are individuals. They each have their own needs, wants, personalities. Some play this certain sport. Somebody else is interested in a different type of activity. And me as a parent now has to figure out how to divide my time, divide my money, what costs what, and where do I put that attention so that each individual has the opportunity to you know get the the attention and the nourishment that it needs to be healthy and successful man you're never supposed to love one kid over another of course not um but in the business stance it's it that gets more confusing if one of those children is bringing in more revenue exactly um, or has more opportunity or or is has uh, more success thriving in in certain ways yeah yeah well that's life it's life in brand management. Think about the people inside companies like General Mills that oversee 
the people that, that, that oversee teams of people and where each of the brands within that organization has an entire team dedicated to that brand, but then somewhere in that internal personnel hierarchy, then their own ecosystem is figuring out how to nurture and manage all of that. It's something. It's complicated. I think uh, we were on a call yesterday and our client said, and that's the difference between branding and just throwing up new graphics for something. It's it's a commercial challenge. There's not there's a lot more to it than just does this look like that brand or does this sound like it's close to that brand. There's a lot that goes into it. If there was say a sporting goods brand thinking about either changing a current product that they have into its own brand or adding a new brand, what are, what's some advice that we would give to that organization so that they made that process as successful as possible from the get-go? Number one is clear purpose. Cur- purpose being to define your goals of the brand. What are you trying to do? I'm not necessarily saying the aspirational purpose of the storyline or anything like that, but the objective. What is the objective here? If you can define a clear objective, a clear purpose for this brand, that's that goes a long ways to understanding, keep coming back to it and go, okay, are we doing that? Are we in one or two years, when, once we've launched this brand, is it doing what it set out to do? Or has that changed and is our purpose different for it? Starting out with why are we doing this? Why is this? What's it? Why? It's a, I mean, it sounds pretty, pretty simple, but the answer to that question uh, and the clarity up front to ultimately what is success look like for the reason that we're doing this really helps make the next couple of decisions easier. And keep coming back to it. Yep. Keep coming back to it. Second one is consistency within the core beliefs of the master brand. Before you get too far down your road with developing a sub brand, really understand the master brand really understand the beliefs that it has the core principles the guiding principles of what's our vision what's our mission what are we trying to do what are what's our personality we're trying to create what's our strategy around all these different things what story are we trying to tell and then pull those and say what's relevant for us what could we do as a sub brand? What out of what's there right now? What can we pull instead of starting from a blank page? Start from what makes sense to this new audience. What are we? What are we trying to communicate? And what are we already communicating with our master brand? When we were working with United Sports Brands, and they had at the time five sub brands, and we had the opportunity to work with each of those, but there were absolutely commonalities in. The, organization, the organizational-wide core beliefs. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was clear, established, and it was on the wall of their, the walls of their organization. And that absolutely permeated down into each one of those specific sports brands. But then each one of those then, just like your children, has their own personality and yeah. their own group and audience that they're, that they're going after. So there was that ability to, you know, customize them and make them relevant for their specific audience, but always had the core beliefs to anchor themselves. Think about a family, right? When you have a family, your family generally has core beliefs, but to your point, each child or parent or whoever has their own set of personality traits. They also look different. They have different styles, but they kind of come back to that same root system of here's what we believe and this is what we're rooted in. The next one is targeted market research 
there we've seen people do things and this wouldn't be surprising anyone who listens to this podcast but we've seen people build out sub brands without fully understanding the audience that they're building that for and that that's not good in branding in general and in sub branding that's where you start seeing red flags all over the place we've been watching uh this survival show on tv i think it's called outlast and in one of the challenges these people are navigating by compass through this super thick forest and from up above, producers of the show can tell that they're on track. And then along the way, they got just a little bit disoriented, and the marker that they were navigating towards shifted by like a degree. And they ended up missing their target by miles and ended up losing the, ended up losing the challenge. So my point is, is that clarity of where are we going not that that doesn't change and evolve over time through the research that you find but not having that guide to guide you it gets really easy to go sideways and that's that market research to come back to and say this is what people said this is what they want there's a, we did an episode a while back that's like, do you listen or do you lead your customers? That's a great episode to talk about when you say, I'm doing market research, but I just don't think that they know what I'm going to offer. They don't know what they don't know yet, but there is value in listening to them and hearing what they have to say before you go down the path of maybe a sub brand doesn't work for them. Maybe they already feel like your brand speaks to them perfectly. Uh, your master brand does. And that's where you will start finding you'll save yourself time, effort, money, all those great things with just doing a little bit of research. What's next? Developing an integrated brand strategy. So this means to look at all of your assets, develop a strategy that then can be plugged in or plugged underneath that master brand strategy. So specifically, uh, we're talking about creative. We're assets. talking about, yeah. So it's developing visual assets, verbal assets for new people here. It would be like, it needs to look like it's a part of this if that's appropriate, but, but de developing a brand strategy and developing brand assets that can really help you either differentiate where you need to differentiate from the master brand or connect where you need to connect. So that's why it's integrated. This idea of we need to work with the master brand versus working completely against it. So this could be as specific as colors that tie or complement each other or fonts or symbols, um, or it could be language, or it could be even be the tone and attitude of the way that different languages is created in. So that's the, all those examples are something that we've done with clients in the past. There's been plenty of times where we say, okay, we're going to build this sub brand out and it needs to connect somehow. How does it connect? Maybe it's within style. So it leads that same style, but tells a completely different story. And that makes sense for them because they need cohesion within their brands or else it gets way out of whack. That's where the brand strategy is going to help is that, you know, your team, you know what you're good at. You also know what you can and cannot tell when it comes to storytelling for your clients, for your respective customers, that's going to help you develop something that's meaningful and not confusing. When I think of the word strategy, we use it all the time and use it in different ways. And for us, it's being thoughtful and intentional and meaningful. 
Um, it's, it's establishing a plan and then working towards that plan and then adjusting as we need to. So being strategic isn't being reactionary, it's being proactive. And from brand strategy, what we're really talking about is being authentic to the master brand in some way, shape or form, authentic to those core beliefs. It's being relevant to the audience that we're trying to speak to and why we are trying to speak to them. And then it's being surprising in saying that we are a sub brand of this master brand, but we're not the same. Just like the child example. It's like every kid has its own personality. He or she should then use that personality to sell themselves in a unique way. The last one for our advice is resource allocation strategy. So this goes all the way back to the last part of what challenges we see and that's resource allocation problems you should really have an organizational strategy to say, here is how we're going to roll this out over the next three years. Here's how we're going to develop it. And this is what we're trying to introduce it to our internal teams. Here's what that means when we roll it out to our customers. And then here's what it means two or three years afterwards to say, we're willing to invest this much in it. And this is what we'll see. If we don't see these markers, then we know that we're off track. And to be thinking about those markers, both in the short term and in the long term. The long term, we don't quite know what that's going to look like right out of the gate. But I think if we plan for what we want that to be and what that could be, there's also the short term of us needing to either get this off the ground, get it started, get it financed, get it built, and and then making sure that the the we're thinking long term. Even though I think a lot of times when sub brands fail, it's because they're living only in the short term and they're not understanding what short term, say bumps in the road or what people might perceive as failures are just learning opportunities for ultimately what still could be successful in the long term. Sometimes it helps for you to zoom out as well. If you have multiple sub brands, it wouldn't hurt to do a yearly check in on what that ecosystem looks like. Hey, we have these sub brands. Here's how they're doing. Here's how they're marketing. Make sure they're not eating out each other's marketing budgets and figure out how that all gets, but also make sure that they're not carving into any other markets that they shouldn't be in. Cause that happens a lot where sub brands get out of their own kind of realm, their they category. Should, they evolve. They, they're living entities. It's an ecosystem. That's why I like the word ecosystem. They're living, growing, sure. breathing. Brands are these alive, active things if you're taking care of it. And as they evolve to step back, I love doing it, you know, whether it's annually or semi-annually to look back and at all of your brands and to see what's changed and what's the same. And to think about the relationship. Some people can look at it in a, in a flow chart. Some people can think about like, if this was a family, what are they? Are they cousins? Are they siblings? Are they, yeah, that happens are a they, lot. are they neighbors, you know, and to think about them in terms of some almost human traits, lets us get some clarity on those relationships. Closing statements, closing arguments, big takeaways. Sub branding, I think can be incredibly helpful and successful when the opportunity is right and if it's done thoughtfully and intentionally. And if you don't do it thoughtfully and intentionally and you're too focused in the short term, you're setting yourself up for a lot of frustration. It's difficult. This is not an easy topic. This would be not the beginner course of branding, would be sub-branding. That is not where we're at. If you have the ability to build out a sub-brand, it's ask those critical questions. Understand your master brand. If you don't have a good 
grasp on who you are today and who your master brand is, it's going to be really hard for you to develop something meaningful and clear and easily growable within that marketplace. I think you need to be incredibly protective of that master brand. If you're creating a sub brand because of a specific opportunity, but the master brand is still viable and healthy, um, then you're not rebranding. You're not rebranding the master brand into a sub brand. You have a separate opportunity. Don't dilute the master brand because that's what probably got you to this opportunity in the first place. All right. Until next time, if you have questions or anything, reach out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more, visit susner.com. Thank you.